Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Now the God of peace who broke up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of eternal covenant given Jesus our Lord. Equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The title of today's message is Final Words of Blessing. Although I planned this to be the last sermon up to verse 25, however, I saw that verse 20 and 21 is quite rich with meaning. Therefore, I have to separate it in two sermons. We will have the finale of Hebrews on October 17. The author closed his letter with a blessing. Some call it a benediction. The author mentioned two titles in the benediction, one describing the Father and another describing the Son. The author addressed the Father as the God of peace. He addressed the Son as the great shepherd of the sheep. The phrases God of peace and great shepherd of the sheep are loaded with meaning. The most incredible peace that the Father brought to his chosen is the end of the enmity between the sinner and himself. Because of sin, man chose to become the enemy of God. Since Adam, there's this separation between God and man. And the author calls him the God of peace. And this is confirmed by Paul the Apostle as well, found in Romans 5 that indeed God brought peace between himself and man. Please take note, sinful man outside the grace of God is an enemy of God, doomed under the judgment that already exists for those who do not believe. But everyone in Christ by grace, through faith, there is peace. There is no fight between God and men who humble themselves through faith. There is no war, but outside it, there is war. There is enmity. Now, God brought this peace through the new covenant in Christ. And take note, this peace is eternal. It is not a temporary peace. God made peace with us. 
men violated the agreement. We are sinners, but it was God who made the move so that there would be peace. And we see this as his incredible mercy and love for those whom he has called to himself. And the great shepherd of the sheep, that phrase, the great shepherd of the sheep. Because, what's that phrase for? Because he is capable of doing so as a high priest forever and because of the eternal efficacy of the blood of Jesus. Father, God of peace, the Son, the great shepherd of the sheep. And that is connected to the key elements of the book of Hebrews. The writer was giving a final statement that connects with the whole book. And I encourage you when you study, for example, this verse 20 is loaded with meaning. If you understood the previous chapters, you will see its connection to this single phrase or single verse, full of meaning, loaded with meaning. And when you study scripture, I always encourage you, before you find connection with other verses of other letters or books around the Bible, first find a connection within that letter. First within the book. And then you will see a certain consistency of how this author meant what he meant, the purpose of the words he chose. The great shepherd of the sheep will forever take care of his sheep because he is capable. Why? He is the high priest forever. And because, again, the pure blood of Jesus Christ. In essence, the benediction highlighted essential doctrines already written or addressed in the whole discourse of the book of Hebrews. My first point, the who and the means of the blessing. The who and the means. Now, the who is the God of peace. And what he did was raise the Lord Jesus from the dead. Made possible by the blood of the new covenant in Christ. Christ, also known as the great shepherd of the sheep. Let's read verse 20. Now, the God of peace, take note. The God of peace, what did he do? And what was the means he brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood. The means was the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. The Lord explained that Christ, the high priest, forever offered his blood, which was without blemish. And you can see this in chapter 9. Verses 11 to 28. The Old Covenant spoke of the death of innocent animals. 
And the new covenant speaks of the death of Christ and his pure blood. Again, the old covenant spoke of the death of innocent animals. The new covenant speaks of the death of Christ and his pure blood. The author also explained the new covenant in Christ and its promises. And you can find this in chapter 8, verses 7 to 13. The promises include knowing God personally, forgiving sin, and God writing his laws in the minds and hearts. Thus his people would desire to obey. In one small verse, we find connection with different major sections in the book of Hebrews. That is why it is good to study it chapter by chapter, line by line, and then really having mental notes or really having notes and find, finding these diagrams and connections and connections within the book itself. The next, the blessing and the purpose. The author's prayer is that God would equip the believers with everything necessary to do His will. That which is pleasing to Him through Christ alone. It is impossible to please God without faith in the finished work of Christ. And please take note of that. Those key words, the word is equip, and the next phrase, to do His will. Let's look at verse 21. May the God of peace, who brought the Lord from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even the Lord Jesus Christ, and He continues, equip you. May God equip you. Now, the wish or prayer of the author is that he would equip who? Those readers of the letter. That he may equip you with what? In every good thing for what purpose? To do his will. Equip you to do his will with every good thing. And let us not forget that. God's plan for the believers is to be equipped, not just to be attendees of churches, but to be equipped for service, to be equipped to do His will. Working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, again, the benediction, the blessing. This is the blessing. The blessing for you, he writes, my prayer and blessing for you is that may God, the God of whoever I'm speaking about, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, may he equip you to do his will. And then he would be working in us, what? What will he be working in us? That which is pleasing in his sight. 
through Jesus Christ. Again, he keeps saying through Jesus Christ. And then he says, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is actually the end of his discourse. And the remaining verses is the postscript. P.S. Postscript. Oh, by the way. And we will discuss the postscript in the next service. It is important to note that ultimately, it is God who equips us. Now, he may use individuals like pastors and teachers and other ministers to equip us. He may use definitely, uh, def definitely the Holy Scriptures through the growth groups, other believers to equip us, but ultimately it is God who is at work within us. And let us not forget that. That's why we give no glory to men. We give no glory to individuals. We respect them. We obey our leaders. We submit to our leaders, but we never give glory to them. Ever. We don't speak too much of them. We speak about the glory of Christ. No matter if, if they are such great blessings to us, we are careful to give the glory to Christ alone. Yes, we must imitate their faith. We must obey and submit and make sure they do their work with joy. Take note, the connection and the continuity of the verses is important. Yes, we do that, but it is God who equips you. Ultimately, everybody is a servant, an instrument of the Lord. All genuine believers, take note, all true believers are in the process, in God's process of equipping. We are in the process of being equipped. Now, equipping his people to do his will is integral in God's plan. It's just there. Now, what can we say about people who don't want to be equipped? Well, maybe they're not true believers. Maybe. Because God puts it in us to be equipped. He equips us. It means the knowledge, our knowledge of the word grows in Christ through time. Our desire to be used by him is there, must be there. It's the natural thing that he puts within us. That even sometimes you might be shy or afraid, but within you, you want to be used by God. You want to participate in God's plan, and it is the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, it is God who put that within your heart. Yet you see your weaknesses, and you see your shortcomings, and that is right. Whenever you see your shortcomings and your weaknesses, that should bring us to our knees and humble us. And say, Lord, I am nothing and I am unworthy. I am a wretched sinner, depraved of everything good. But through Christ 
alone, by the grace of God alone, I would be able to do His will. God did not call believers to spectate, to watch, like you watch a boxing match or you watch a basketball game. God did not call you to spectate. No, no, no. But to involve yourself in the process of being equipped. And that begins with being faithful with the little things as he gives us more things or more responsibilities. The third, all for his glory. The author ascribed glory to the Son. At the end, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Which signifies his belief, the author's belief, that the Father and Son are one. Thus, giving glory to the Son is the same as giving glory to the Father. Again, let's look at verse 21 again, and let's look at that last part. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Every genuine believer's deep motive is to glorify God through Christ, which is why God equips believers. Therefore, every believer should express delight in the equipping process. We have to enjoy the equipping process. Uh, sometimes God brings us trials, and that's part of the equipping process. The Lord challenges our faith, and that's part of the equipping process. He gives us persecution like the people in the early church, or difficulties or obstacles that is part of the equipping process. The preaching of the word which we can listen to is part of the equipping process. Your personal time in prayer and the study of God's word alone is part of the equipping process. Learning from other believers through these small groups as you listen to them patiently and intently is part of the equipping process. You speaking about the goodness of God in your life by sharing your testimony for the week is part of the equipping process. You analyzing the scripture and discussing with others what you have analyzed, being corrected and correcting others, or encouraging one another is part of the equipping process. Do not deny it. Do not run away from it. Do not be lazy about it. Such is the prayer and blessing of this writer. May you be blessed through what? That you may be equipped to do his will. He could have said, may you be rich beyond your dreams, like many, not many, but false preachers, prosperity preachers preach today. I do believe that God will provide all our needs according to his riches and glory and his will. According to his will. But the ultimate desire of every true man of God for the flock is what? That the Lord may equip us to do his will. You know, it's not even that you will 
forget all your problems or for, so that you will have no problems on this earth. It's not even that. Some people think Christianity is about dealing with their problems. Some problems will remain there for a very, very long time. And Christianity does not guarantee that problems go away. In fact, it even, what it guarantees is trials. <laughs> trials are guaranteed, by the way. It's the opposite. But that's part of the equipping process. But the desire of the author is that it's not so that everything will, you, may you have no problems in this life. It's not it. What was the desire of this author that you may be equipped? That you may be equipped to do his will. Application number one, know him, know God and understand what he did through Christ. Please take note, address him properly when proclaiming the gospel and when praying. Now, the author said, now the God of peace, he was addressing God. And what did God do? God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. He addressed God properly when he preached the gospel. And I do believe when we pray or wish blessing for others, pray blessing for others, we must address God properly. Then know Christ and understand the significance of his blood which brought us the new covenant. We have to know Christ. And the whole journey of going through the book of Hebrews is to know Christ. Many have observed that this is the most Christ-centered book of the New Testament. Well, definitely the whole Bible. Where in some letters, there's more discussion about faith and grace. Here you find who Christ is. And of course, we should proclaim the gospel of Christ with a deep conviction of the significance of his sacrifice. We never treat lightly the sacrifice of Christ. The author did not take it lightly. He mentioned the significance of this blood. It's pure. It's innocent. Like the pure lamb of God who took the place of sinners. The many animals who took the place of sinners in the old covenant. This pure blood of Christ. Sinless. Perfect. He knows that significance. He discussed it with us. And furthermore, we should show the promises of God in the new covenant. We should tell people about the promises of God in the new covenant. I hope you remember. Again, I mentioned it's in chapter 8, verses 7 to 13, where the author mentioned about God saying in the Old Testament that my people will know me. A personal relationship with God. And I will remember their sin no more, a forgiveness of sin. And I will write my laws in their minds and hearts. And what is the implication of that? His people 
will desire to follow his commands. We speak of that. Those are covenant promises. And that's the difference between a false gospel or a gospel incomplete would not tell you that God by his grace, if he has saved you by his grace, he will give you a desire to follow his word. The grace that saves us sanctifies us as well through faith. Next point is to please God. Now, pray that God would equip us to do his will in Christ, not our will and not our desires, but his will alone in Christ which pleases him. Now, how may we know his will? We may know his will, which is expressed in the Holy Scriptures. But again, going back to verse 11, without faith, is, it is impossible to please God. And faith is connected to God's promises. That's why we have to know his word. You cannot say you have faith and don't know what that faith is for. That faith is to believe in the good news and its significance. That faith is to anchor our belief and conviction in the clarity of who Christ is and what he has done and what God has done through Christ. If we understand that, then we can anchor our faith and we would know his will. Therefore, we can please God. The purpose of the equipping process is to accomplish God's will in our lives, in your life. People ask, Lord, what is your will in my life? My answer, get equipped, you'll find out. You keep praying again and again, Lord, what's your will, what's your will, what's your will? Get equipped, know the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Scriptures, will guide you. You think you, you expect guidance without the equipping process? No, no. You'll keep praying and you will be unsure for the rest of your life without knowing Scripture more. Thus, we must learn the Holy Scriptures. Otherwise, we would not know how to please God. Again, this is very Pauline that faith comes by hearing what the Word of God. Faith and the Word of God cannot be separated. Lastly, be equipped for His will. Let us submit to the equipping process, which is studying God's Word, obeying godly leaders, and imitating the faith of those who lead well. Take note, those who lead well will never be perfect. However, by and large, as you see their lives, according to verse 7 of chapter 13, that by the result of their conduct, and that conduct may not be 100%, imitate their faith. Now, here's the thing about a true leader. If a true leader is wrong and committed sin, he must be rebuked. 
And he, he, if he is rebuked and he realizes that true enough, he did commit that sin, he is willing to be corrected. Willing to be corrected. And then he moves on to grow in Christ. That's why I do encourage if leaders commit sin that we challenge it. Well, still be respect, respectful. I do expect that from everybody. Me and the elders are willing to be corrected. And the standard is what? The Holy Scriptures. Not your perspective, not your opinion. Take note of that. Some people criticize others based on their opinion rather than the standard of Scripture. Remember that our opinion is secondary compared to Scripture. In fact, it's not secondary, it's very far. should be very far from Scripture. But if you don't address sin in leadership, then you are sinning as well. You'd rather talk about it with other people rather than addressing it directly. Then you are a sinner as well. Yet, if we see these leaders willing to be corrected, knowing that they're imperfect, yet they preach God's word and by God's grace live according to God's word, then what? As scripture says, imitate their faith, obey them, and submit to them. Why? Because they take care of your souls. And do not make it hard for them because they take care of your souls. Because if you make it hard for them, that is unbeneficial for you, unprofitable for you. Why? They take care of your soul. The benefit is the taking care of your soul. You lose a lot of blessings because God moves through leaders as well who deliver God's word as they take care of our souls. You lose that blessing, that added care for your soul if you do not imitate their faith and obey and submit to godly leaders. Now, some people enjoy a Christian life which is a secret agent type, you know. They like big churches because they can come in and go. No growth group, no small group because nobody can ask them, how's your spiritual life? Nobody would ask him, how's your Bible reading? How is your relationship with your other family members? Those are hard questions that we ask even though we're not perfect, we just say, let's grow together. There's also something wrong with me. Please pray for me. I also have blessings I'd like to share. That's part of the equipping process. Now, what's the end motive of all this? What's the end motive? Our sole motive is for the glory of God. And one of the solas of the Reformation is soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. God equips genuine believers to what? Articulate the gospel accurately and reject false teaching 
Take note, God will equip us to speak the gospel correctly. And that's one of the things we do here. You don't go to hearsay. If there's an evangelistic seminar, you don't believe everything you hear on how to evangelize or how to preach the gospel. You go back to Scripture and you filter everything being taught us according to Scripture. How did Jesus preach? What were the instructions of Jesus on how to preach? We go back to that and we follow that. But false believers... If you're a fake believer, you have no desire to be equipped. No, you're just an attendee. I, I won't want to learn anything. Uh, it's up to them. They should be the ones serving. Not me. If that's not in here, oh, I question the genuineness of your faith. Therefore, they do not understand the gospel and they find themselves attracted to false teaching. That's why within the context it says, do not be attracted to strange doctrines. They will try to attract you with what? Different things. Maybe care for you. Then they teach you strange doctrines and you accept it because they care. Or they give money to you, and I heard there's a cult movement right now, giving money and opportunities, and people embrace that even though they preach a false gospel. I just heard it. I wonder if it's true. But that's the thing. They want to hear things that would satisfy their itching ears, feel-good sermons, so that when I go home, I feel good, but preachers who never address sin, never speak of grace, never speak that God is sovereign and we must submit, never speak about the freedom to follow the truth, the freedom to be in Christ. If they don't do that, they are false teachers. But we understand the gospel, that Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, the highest place in the universe. He is sovereign above all. He is greater than the Old Testament heroes. He is greater than Moses, than Joshua, even than Abraham. His priesthood is above the Levites. It's forever. His blood is better than the blood of animals. It is eternally effective to those whom he saved. He forever intercedes for us in the heavenly tabernacle and we need not fear about that intercession. And the author is saying, this is secured. Your soul is secured. I remember the song, it is well with my soul. Why is it well? The eternal high priest is reliable. Where the earthly priests die, there's no continuity. He continues forever. I shared to you a poem called True Aim. Enemies of the Almighty, sinners against the deity, yet peace came through the God of peace, the blood of Christ, justice a peace. The great shepherd made sure of it, 
revealed to us through holy writ. His blood, his death brought forth the new, paid for everything that was due. May the good Lord equip us all, true believers, heed the call. Praise the Lord God, fulfill his will, O church, never stand still. No spectators, runners we are, determined to run very far. The true aim, glorify his name, urging others to do the same. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it speak to us, Lord. Now the God of peace who raised from the dead the great shepherd of his sheep through the eternal blood of the covenant equip you in every good thing to do his will. To do his will through Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, bless your people. Thank you for equipping us. We know you are at work within us. We recognize it now. There's a purpose for everything, and the purpose of being a believer is not for selfish happiness, but to do your will. to fulfill your mission, to please you, to please you. That we may please you as we do your will through faith. Our lives belong to you. They don't belong to us. And we thank you for calling us unto yourself. And now we are free, free from the clutches of selfish ambition, free to follow your will alone. Thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.